0: and thanks for joining us now on kvcr for kvc arts arts and entertainment as well as the people and places providing it i'm david fleming on this edition of the program a familiar name face voice welcome once again chris Thayer. thanks again for being here
1: oh my pleasure my pleasure
0: so we're going to be covering books music art and so much here but first the books Namely, summers, weekends, nights, and holidays, as well as The Perfect Man. Were these by chance going at the same time, or do you actually sit down, write one, and then later you write the other? Were there kind of notes on both going at the same time?
1: Honestly, they were written so long ago. Like the, The first drafts of these are 17 to 20 years old. Oh, my gosh. And they've just sort of been sitting in the hard drive, kind of waiting to come out. So, yeah, I guess to answer the question, everything's kind of been going at the same time. That's the insanity of my process.
0: Looking now at summers, weekends, nights, and holidays first. Jim McPherson has been an English teacher at Jetsam Valley High School for the past eight years. Jetsam, we'll get to that. Right. He might not make it to year nine. He must maneuver the minefield of a vengeful, incompetent principal, a misguided and two-faced department head, unhinged parents, bitter and lazy colleagues, violent students, and obsessed teenage girls. And that's just Wednesday. All right. I love that as the tag. Where did all this come from? You have been teaching for such a long time. And I would imagine in the length of the time that you have taught, and you hear things or, you, of course, you know, somebody chews you out and then you sort of imagine it as this worst case scenario or the best case scenario where you just duke it out and you win and all that kind of thing, you
1: know? (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been through quite a bit and I've seen quite a bit over the 27 years I've been in education. And the thing I love about this book is that if you are in education, you see the people that you work with in it. Like Mm. the characters are almost like stock characters that you find at every school. And if you're not in education, it's kind of like looking behind the curtain and seeing what's really going on. And it's like, holy smokes, is this Mm -hmm. what it's really like? So that's kind of what I like about this book is that it has a different perspective or something to offer to everybody, I guess. I felt like there was so much great material and so much insanity Mm -hmm. in education that I think maybe initially the idea of looking behind the scenes and seeing what really goes on, it's kind of like being inside the head of a teacher and all of the things that they can't say and do... You get a look at what that is like, and I'm not saying everybody is like that, but Certainly. but definitely it gives you a look into, you know, those moments where you're having a rough day or you've seen something insane or, I mean, I try and touch on a lot of different things. Yeah. And even though it is fiction, a lot of what's in there happens in all kinds of districts and all kinds of schools,
0: and it's just sort of the craziness of education. Are any of the characters here, maybe you can't identify them if they are, but are any of the characters here based on people that you know or even say know of? I think depending on the character, you may have to tread lightly on your answer.
1: Right, right. No, I think you sort of have these archetypes at each school. You have the history teacher kind of dry and kind of a jerk. And then you have the English teacher that's kind of full of himself. And, you know, you have the incompetent teacher that pulls everything that they do from somebody else. So they don't actually create anything of their own. Everywhere you look, there are great administrators and there are awful administrators. (laughs) It's kind of insane to see how some of these people make it to positions of power or authority. But then again, there are some, like my wife is a principal Mm -hmm. and she's one of the most amazing principals I've ever, I mean, I'm biased, of course, but subjectively, she's really, really good at her job. So they are out there and I've worked for some. But I've also worked for some that I wouldn't give five cents for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. This takes place at Jetsam Valley High School. Jetsam. That just cracked <laughs> me up as soon as I read that. Uh, Jetsam, something intentionally tossed overboard, uh, discarded. Right, right. This was yet another case. Uh, last time it happened with Yingbei. this was another case of me either spitting out my coffee or just choking just a bit. <laughs> Surely to God, there isn't a jetsam school somewhere, or this is just. So you came up with this really just like, okay, it's trash. It's something thrown away.
1: Right, and you know I've worked in a couple different districts, and I don't want to name any because they were different times and they were different people that are there now. But you know you see different things, and it just sort of had all of the positives and negatives of the places Hmm. that I had worked.
0: Okay. Diplomatic, that was a nice Well, person. you know, I don't want to... I <laughs> no, might no, end up no, right. going back to some of these places, so... <laughs> Absolutely. Who knows? And again, these <laughs> are such, you know, as you said, archetypes. These are right. uh, characters and then painted to the extreme. Yes. Something that is, I think, very real is... Well, I love and appreciate the fact that you keep coming back to Huckleberry Finn. I'm a twain nut. <laughs> and while... I may get in trouble on this one. While Huckleberry Finn is inferior to Tom Sawyer as a story... It's so often used because there are many, many teachable items in it. Sure. Now, I've lost track of the various subjects you've taught over the years. Did you ever unleash Huck Finn and the many dialects on your students? Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah? Absolutely. And I'm sure I made some really misguided decisions as a Caucasian male teacher <laughs> in my early years. But, you know, it was a different time. I've been doing this for the better part of three decades, and that's part of being a good teacher is growing and learning how to better reach your students. And the books that I used to teach in one district that was predominantly white, Mm. I would not teach in the other district, which is predominantly not white. Mm. So I think the curriculum that you use, you have to really look at your students and what they need. Now, it's not a mystery. I, for many years now, I've been in the San Bernardino City Unified, and I try to find works that my students can see themselves in or relate mm, to. Good. Now, I don't teach English anymore. I, I haven't taught that for many years now. But again, I try and find things that my students can connect with, whatever that may be, whether it's culturally, whether it's gender things. I mean, it could be
0: anything. I'm trying to find ways for them to connect
1: with right. whatever we're doing, literature or art or whatever.
0: Talk for a second about what you are doing. This is, I think, really cool, and it's not too far removed from what we're doing sitting in this room right here.
1: (laughs) So I am actually part of the Arroyo Valley Digital Media Arts Academy, which is something that a friend and I started years ago now. It's been maybe six, seven years ago. Basically, the students are at an academy, so they are grouped together and they move from course to course. So they have the same English teacher, the same history teacher generally. Mm. And within this academy, we're actually quite special because we have three separate strands so we can better reach whatever students are interested in. So I do the graphic design and illustration strand for the upper levels. And then we have film and broadcasting. And then we have a photography strand. So by the time they hit the end of sophomore year, they've chosen which direction they want to go. And they can have a more focused course of study based on their interests. We do have a lot of incredible things that we're doing. Like we are partnering with Valley College. And when students get an A or a B in my classes, they get college credit.
0: Way cool.
1: Yeah. So they can get up to four courses, I believe. And they also get the possibility to get certified in Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, industry skills, that if they want to go out into whatever part of digital media Mm -hmm. in the future that they can, or as I like to tell them, You know, you use these kinds of skills, especially like Photoshop. You can use that in any profession because everyone needs to advertise. Everyone needs to have flyers. Everyone needs to have invitations. So they're learning a lot of these skills that they can apply wherever. The film students, they can go out and film family events, kinsays or weddings or whatever the case is. Photography, same thing. So we're giving them actual hard skills that they can take out into the world, whether they go into digital media or not.
0: Nice. Back to summers, weekends, nights, and holidays. Some of the phrasing I just really love. Now I'm thinking about the morning that Jim wakes up. (laughs) He's slow to realize and wondering if the woman he slept with is still (laughs) there. And you write that he eventually smells coffee and hears the sound of bare feet shuffling. I just (laughs) I'd love that phrasing. But now what really got me, though, she says good morning. And Jim says, I sure hope so. And then you've written, quote, a response he immediately regretted. Right, right. So this moment, whether it's from a next morning scenario or just anywhere, this one really feels like a real occurrence. The thing of immediately regretting the response as soon as it's said. Is this just a cool, clever line that you wrote? Or, gosh, is this one of those, oh, I really shouldn't have said that moments? Long before your
1: wife. No, of course, of course. And I (laughs) I did my share of living before I settled down. I was a little older once I found the right one. So I definitely had my share of stupid moments, but I definitely have a history of saying the worst possible thing. I'm better (laughs) on paper. Uh I'm definitely better on paper, and my wife will agree with that. And she tries to push me to communicate better verbally, but... Back to the question, I guess. There isn't a specific moment in there, but for sure, I've been in situations along those lines. And I've said things that I immediately, like regularly, I say things that I immediately (laughs) regret saying. Like, oh, why did I say that?
0: Like the second it's not even out of your mouth. Yes. Okay. (laughs) The
1: taste of it is still in my tongue,
0: and it's bitter. (laughs) It's one of those no diving in slow motion (laughs) things. Yes, yeah, Often. (laughs) Well, late in the book, after a major blowout with the principal, Jim's in class and he's noting this palpable change in his students and he's reflecting on how he's always tried to be as honest as he can be with his students. Then there are a list of things. I don't know if these are all things that he has said or things that he wished that he had said, but one thing that was asked of him, why didn't you have children? His response (laughs) was that they smell and they suck the life out of you. Okay. I mean, there's some truth to that, I suppose. (laughs) Have your kids read this book?
1: Uh, No, no. And I, I have daughters and they refuse to read it. And they definitely won't read Perfect Man. No. I had an interesting moment. I have somebody who is, they've become a friend over the years she is a fan of the comic books Mm -hmm. and she read Perfect Man, she said, I can't look at you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I can't fathom that this came out of the same brain as the person who writes this other thing that I love."
0: And we'll get to that other thing in just a bit. Uh, First, summers, weekends, nights, and holidays is at Amazon, cwthayer.com. And also a primary hub with books, graphic novels, and more is ibcomics.com. I'm David Fleming. On this edition of the program, I'm in conversation with Chris Thayer. Now, often when Chris is on the program, we're talking about music from one project or another. Now, though, we're talking about books. Which leads us to The Perfect Man. Okay, (laughs) Part of the synopsis, Kevin Fowler is brilliant, suave, and attractive. He makes a good living and knows how a woman should be treated. He's the fantasy man that women lust after in romantic movies as they sit next to their inadequate boyfriends. (laughs) And that's how he lures them day after day into his bed. And the next part of that synopsis we'll address in a bit. Let me start by saying that when he knows how a woman should be treated, this is his notion sure, of how a woman sure. should be treated. Folks, just now hearing about this book, Kevin Fowler is a complete jerk, I can yeah, say, on the Yeah, he's trash. He's oh, an awful person. And this is maybe even a story, or at least this character, this is a story of one of those guys that we all know or mm-hmm. at least know of. But I suppose for there to have been some sort of conflict and resolution here, you really— really had to paint him as this incredible heel, for lack oh, of a better sure. word. sure.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, it goes back to before when I was a single guy. And you would see a lot of women dating the worst people you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And they were super loyal to them. It just blew my mind. I could not figure out why you would want to be with this person. And I started really digging into that. And it's like, what about him or her, for mm-hmm. that matter? Sure makes people want to be with them like from the outside they're horrible people you know and is it that you think you're going to change them (laughs) or is it that you see the diamond in the rough i wanted to explore that and it was a hard book to write it had an effect on me and to be honest i don't ever want to get inside this character's head again yeah because it had an impact on my personality while i was working on it to the point where my new wife at that point was like, could you please finish this book because I really <laughs> don't like you right now. Oh, <laughs> I don't wow. like you as this person. So let's finish this book so you can get back to being the sweet person that you are. Because it does affect you. You have to get inside a character's mind.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah, I even feel like with some of his statements or actions or both at times – now, from the perspective of the writer, he's not enough of a jerk. I mean, I need to show this part as well. <laughs> Whether this is no, I'm not giving you a ride home because you just you know, fill in the blank, or you need to go now because you snore like a do you recall what that was? Yeah, yeah, like a bear. Like a bear. You snore <laughs> like a bear. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, you had to well, show. Well, you know, this he has guy. to
1: get some sleep. <laughs> he not be there. Oh, he's, got to, he's got to sleep.
0: <laughs> Yet he has no qualms about calling anybody at 2.30 or even 4 in the morning sure, when he sure. Oh, he's a total something. narcissist. Yeah, totally. So this guy, he's pretty much every misogynistic real pig story anyone ever told.
1: Yeah, but I think the challenge with this book is can you make a reader not only feel bad for this guy, but actually like this guy?
0: Mm. And that was the
1: challenge in this book is can you take a really deplorable human being— and find any redeeming qualities in him at all. Wow. So, yeah. And from page one, he's pretty much a horrible, well, maybe page two. He's a horrible <laughs> person.
0: And I spend several chapters making you not like him. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> still do not like him. I understand what happens to him. And I want to feel, in a way, I want to feel sorry because I'm, you know, I don't know. I guess we're just hoping for a pleasant ending sure. there or something. Sure. But. Much like my question with regard to summers, weekends, nights, and holidays, like any of these experiences, your own even amplified, any of Kevin Fowler's actions or statements, something that, say, you heard from somebody else, all these stories, they often start off with, my friend's cousin knew this guy whose brother Mm -hmm. saw this, you know, kind of thing. Sure. Any of these experiences that way, or is this really just, okay, no, I got to. Well,
1: none of this is me.
0: Right. No. Um,
1: However, I was not always a super nice guy. And I've come to terms with that. I was not him, but I looked back at some of the ways that I maybe treated people and it wasn't super nice. Definitely not to the point as this character. And I think that's kind of the jumping off point is I do regret some of the things I've done and the way that things ended with certain people.
0: Okay.
1: But I took that regret and I thought, well, what if I didn't have that? Mm. What if I were even worse and tried to get inside the mind of somebody who just doesn't have that remorse? (sighs) you know and, and, and
0: it's told from his perspective so sure. you, as you're reading you are in his yes his mind and you're seeing okay the chick's walking this way and i'm going to impress the girl by just opening the door for the other sure. his whole plotting everything is there
1: yeah and i never had this guy's game
0: i was never <laughs> no, as smooth no. as
1: this guy i'm awkward and lame and yeah and yeah. uh it, I, mean, I think it's probably you. dangerous I mean, to <laughs> have this kind of game and you know maybe it that's absolute power corrupting. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, he's not a nice person, especially as we begin the book.
0: I'll say the first third or so is just how much of a jerk and various actions and statements that he makes. Then we've got he meets somebody and then there's more of a resolution. But let's put it this way. Describe without going into really what exactly happens to him and how it all turns out. But what is it in this book that changes this guy? What's going on that makes you even want to Or possibly feel sorry.
1: I think the whole idea is, how can the ultimate ladies' man give up that lifestyle? Like, what would cause him to change, if anything? And my idea was, you know, he got this way somehow. Mm. And I like to think that he wasn't always like this. That things happened that made him this way. And I think the big question is, could he give up who he's become for the one that got away, okay. you know? And that's kind of the idea behind this whole story is everybody's got that one, and could you give up wherever you are for that one?
0: Gotcha, okay. And again, I believe the best route for this one is at ibcomics.com.
1: It's at Quite Amazon great. as well, and they right. are both on Kindle. Oh, ah, um, okay. I'm currently working on the audiobooks for them so they should be on Audible hopefully very soon.
0: Are you voicing those? I am. I am. Cool. One of the
1: things that drives me insane is you buy an audiobook by an author mm. and generally they're pretty terrible. They're <laughs> kind of the worst because most writers aren't readers. Right. They're not speakers, they're not performers. Whereas I think I've been performing all of my life and I have an acting degree and so I figure I'm a little more qualified than the average writer is. I'm probably more qualified to read it than I am to write it, but,
0: <laughs> um,
1: but I, I really want to make sure I get it across and I get it right yeah. so that it's interesting and it's fun and that you're in the moment you can feel where the character is.
0: Do you have any others in the works coming out soon?
1: Absolutely. I have several novels in the works, uh, some that I've been holding on to for a while, some that are fairly new. Another one that has sort of been in the queue that's hopefully going to be out before Christmas, it's called Forever May Not Be Long Enough. Oh, The title is borrowed from a song from the band Live, okay. and yeah. it's basically you have a very happy couple. They okay. just recently got married within the last couple of years, and he leaves for work and dies. Sorry, spoiler. It's, it's, it's the first <laughs> chapter. So you're not losing anything. But when you die in this world, you become basically death. You have to choose the next person to die to move on. And then there comes all of the moral issues with that. It's quite a quandary. Like, how do I choose somebody if I choose, let's say, a pedophile or a murderer? Okay. They're going to be the next person to choose somebody. So by killing oh my a child murderer or something, now I've killed another child because likely they're going to
0: choose a child. The twist there is that then that person, yes. they're making the decision. And so this is that evil twisted mind absolutely. as well. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. How? Yeah. And then there's the,
1: <laughs> the question is like, do I choose my wife who I love more than anything oh. and end her life prematurely, because which is completely yeah. unfair? Yeah. And then she has to be in this position to choose. And what possible things could she have done in her life? Wow. And are you being selfish for doing that? And at the same time, she's suffering because you're not there. She's lost you. So is it mercy to choose her? So, yeah, there's a lot of big questions in that. And it's a bit of a mystery. It's got a lot of supernatural elements It kind of is a theme that runs through almost everything that I've written, especially when you get into the graphic novels. Mm. The idea that the afterlife or what's beyond us is never quite what we think it is. And I love mixing or twisting of existing dogma and existing beliefs. It really fascinates me.
0: Where did this come from for you? I mean, is this not a gosh clue. you saw something I have a, no idea this twilight? I mean I was, zone made you think of that. I was nothing.
1: raised going every once in a while to the Baptist Church okay. for Sunday school, but it wasn't a regular thing. It would just right. you know every once in a while, yeah, you should send the kid to church you know <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I am quite fascinated. I'm just trying to bring a new perspective mm. to that idea.
0: And again, you said that you hope that this one will be out by Christmas. That's the plan. Hopefully.
1: It's pretty much done. I've edited. I'm going to send it off to my proofer and get a final cleanup on it. And then it's okay. heading to the shelves. Uh,
0: knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, this it sounds so cool. Wow.
1: Oh, it's a powerful story. And I have had a few people read it. And it's mm-hmm. probably the thing I'm most proud of as far as novels go. Because it hits you differently depending on where you are in your life. Like if you're in your right. 20s it hits you differently than if you're in your 70s.
0: Gotcha. Let's look at Grace and also Legba's juke joint. I'm grouping these two together because okay. they're both in collaboration with Ron Milch, sure, yourself and sure. him. So give us a synopsis if you would have, I guess both Grace and Legba's. All right, so I'll
1: give you the pitch that we do at the comic conventions. So basically, ah, cool. Grace is a young woman who dies on page two. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> but she gets an option to come back to her life And if she takes this deal, she has to go out every night and kill an irredeemable person. These are like the worst of mankind, the true monsters of society. Now, the big question becomes, if you take this deal, you get your life back. But at what price? You know, how do you not become a monster doing the things that monsters do? How do you not become the villain of your own story? So that was kind of the basic premise from where we started as we've gone on in this story, it's gone from this very personal story about one woman to basically where we're writing an epic. We come to learn that this has been going on for hundreds, thousands of years. And mm. she is just kind of the culmination of this story that's been going on since Roman times. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Volume three, there's a guy in the Old West. And that kind of gives you right there. We're going back in time to see the backstory. For those that don't know, Grace started out as a black and white graphic novel with just a little bit splash of color for the blood. So we had a little bit of red mixed in, kind of an homage to Frank Miller and Sin City and those things. Oh, yeah. Then something at the end of issue 10 or volume two happens, something massive, and the world changes. The world goes full color. Now we've reached this point where we're past the point of no return. Everything has changed, and as we move forward, Half of the story is telling the backstory, and it's losing color as we go toward present. wow. And then as we're in present day, we're in full color. So color becomes this storytelling device that we've kind of worked into this series. And we're super excited because we finally reached the point where we're actually using the color that way. We are right now working on issues 16 through 20. So in the next year, we should be halfway through our run of grace.
0: Okay. Lagobus Juke Joint. This is one that, again, I just love. It it relies on, I don't want to say a familiar trope, uh, but rather an old story, the old device. Yes. It's Faust.
1: Or it's the story of the Crossroads, more specifically. It uses the Robert Johnson legend as its jumping off point. And in fact, we show a little bit of the Robert Johnson legend in each book. But basically what it is, is it'll be a nine book series where each book is a different character in a different decade going down to that crossroads and selling their soul for whatever it is they desire, whatever it is they want. And we start in the 1930s, and then the coolest part of it is each book, the art style changes to imitate the dominant art style from each decade. So you're in kind of a Schuster style in the 30s, and then you've got Will Eisner once we go to the 40s and those old spirit books and on and on and on. So we're kind of doing the history of comic art for the last 90 years. In addition, each book has an album of original music that are quote unquote by the character. So they're original songs that we wrote for the books and then we find the right voices and record the music and it's a hugely ambitious project. It takes quite a while to crank one of them out, mostly because you're not only learning a new art style, you're doing the historical research so that you get the language correct, you get the music correct. It's pretty massive. And you want to sprinkle in some of the historical aspects in addition to each book sort of being a metaphor for a moment or a part of Robert Johnson's life. Right. So everything kind of ties back to Robert Johnson that way.
0: I remember that one of the points that you make is each decade by decade, it's looking at what it is a person might sell their soul sure. for. Uh, Robert Johnson, or the original character in the first book, also they sold their soul for more talent and fame, yeah. recognition, that kind of a thing. To be the best. Then today it might not be raw talent; it might just be oh, no. a, a million YouTube hits or yeah, it's, whatever it's kind likes of thing. and follows. Yeah, you know?
1: and I think it speaks to what we find valuable and what we would sell our soul for. The idea of selling your soul is a bit of a metaphor. You know, by spending my time working on graphic novels or going out to gigs or traveling to New York or Seattle or wherever to do conventions, in a sense, I'm selling my soul. I'm selling something. I'm giving up something to go do those things, whether it's being at home, whether it's, you know, getting some sleep, whatever it is, we make a decision and we follow those things You know, if you work 10 hours a day, you're missing out on whatever it is you could be doing that might be your passion. We sell a bit of ourselves for whatever we do. There's always a give and take. I think that's what resonates with me for this book, is that what are you willing to give up to get what you want? And that's tough.
0: Yeah. Forever may not be long enough. Again, hopefully out by Christmas the others we mentioned, Summers, Weekends, Nights, and Holidays, The Perfect Man, as well as the graphic novels Grace and Legba's Juke Joint, all at IBComics.com. Ron Miltz, by the way, is currently the prime writer for Grace. Much more at IBComics.com as well, and more with Chris on the next KVC Arts, talking about his music. Many, many projects there. Thanks again to Chris Thayer, and here at KVCR, thanks to Lillian Vasquez, Rick Dulock, and Shereen Awad. Find many past KBCR Arts programs via podcasts through iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, and Google Play, and most past shows are at kvcrnews.org/slash arts. Music beds and themes heard on KBCR Arts composed and performed by Sean Longstreet, so thanks to Sean as well. I'm David Fleming, thanks especially to you for listening and for your support.